0: is The Review, a podcast from The Atlantic's culture team about movies, television, and all the things we make to entertain ourselves. I'm Shirley Lee, a staff writer at The Atlantic, and I'm joined today by two other staff writers on our culture team, Spencer Cornhaber. Hi, it's me. <laughs> and Sophie Gilbert. Hi, it's also me. <laughs> it is us, and we are finally doing a music episode. Oh, mm. it's the end Yay. of the year. Uh, Today, we're talking about Adele's new album, 30. But since it continues the theme of breakup records this year, we thought we'd go into that trend a little bit as well. Uh, There's Casey Musgraves' divorce album, Star Crossed, Taylor Swift's re-recorded breakup album, Red, parentheses Taylor's version, and of course, Olivia Rodrigo's Sour, which kind of kicked off this big year of big emotions. But before we get into all that, let's talk about Adele. You know, Adele is, in her own words talking about divorce, baby, divorce, on the album 30. <laughs> you know, I think, Spencer, a while back, you wrote about how it's a good idea to think of Adele as akin to a blockbuster film franchise. <laughs> so what's the story with Adele? Why is she such, what makes Adele such a powerhouse? And what is the story of this album?
1: Yeah. I mean, we live in this era where we uh, we don't have that many... Huge, huge stars that everyone can agree about, like previous eras had Prince and Madonna kind of ruling the 80s and 90s. We have a little bit of that, but not someone who unites, you know, grocery stores across the country quite (laughs) in the way that Adele has for more than a decade now. And she's done it by being a really classic, traditional-minded musician who also Mm -hmm. brings a certain amount of personality and pop chops to... Uh, a very kind of familiar brew. Um, And she's been at it for a while now, and she takes enough time between her albums that uh, whenever they're released, it feels like a major event, and the world stops, and everyone has to at least listen to it once to Mm -hmm. have something to say about it. Uh, And so now here we are at 30, and each of her albums are named for the year of of her life in which she uh, created them. And so... We're now entering the kind of difficult figure out what you're actually doing in your life 30s phase of her career and all of our lives by listening to it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're figuring out our lives alongside Adele, though our lives look a little different. (laughs) She has described the way she names her albums as kind of like a way to let the listener know that these are Polaroids, like snapshots of her life, right? I, I kind of love that she had said after 25 that she wouldn't be naming them after her ages again. And then she comes out <laughs> six years later.
1: <laughs> you, you can't hold anyone to what they say in their 20s, right?
0: <laughs> Sophie, what do you think? <laughs> What's the key to Adele being such a powerhouse? I mean, her voice is insane.
2: Her heartbreak is potent. <laughs> yeah I mean and that's what makes this album really interesting to me because typically her albums have been about the pain that she feels because of someone else whereas 30 I think is really about the pain that she feels that she has inflicted on herself and her family and her kind of Mm -hmm. emotional wrangling with feelings of unhappiness in her marriage and her desire to to sort of break that marriage up and, and then her feelings of guilt over her son and so it's it's really kind of a solipsistic album in that sense it's much more about like how am I feeling how should I feel is this my fault like what is a person supposed to do in in this situation and I I did find I did find sort of wrangling with that in song to be really compelling.
0: Yeah I'm curious about how you listen to it I mean like Spencer said you know this is the kind of artist whose album comes out and everyone has to stop and listen to it and other artists have to push up their release dates as Taylor did (laughs) to make room for Adele.
2: (laughs) I definitely heard Easy On Me first, so that was my first impression of it, but then I I did listen to it in order, and there's that amazing first line, I'll be taking flowers to the cemetery of my heart. And you hear that and you're like, oh boy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and there's that kind of like, it doesn't sound like any other Adele song, right? It kind of is like a woozy, dreamy, movie score feeling, right?
0: I'll be taking flowers to the cemetery The opener is called Strangers by Nature. It starts with that incredible cinematic line. It sounds like something out of a classic movie musical score.
1: She was inspired by movies because there is something very like movie-like and cinematic about the way that the album kind of unfolds and tells a story and changes over time. But the way it does that is by moving through a bunch of different styles. And some of them are quite modern and almost like shocking to hear from Adele. There's That one song, Can I Get It?, which is produced by Max Martin and Shellback, the the Swedish producers who, like,
0: uh, wrote all your favorite
1: Britney Spears songs. And it has, like, whistling and breakbeats, and Mm -hmm. it is, like, a total corny uh, dance song, and I kind of love it. (laughs) That song
0: is so corny, but it is also, like, it's so chaotic, because here's the thing, you go into this album expecting it to be like divorce, like ballads all the way through, right? And here she is experimenting. She, well, Spencer, correct me if I'm wrong, she's worked with Max Martin and Shellback before, right?
1: Yeah, there was one song on on her last album, 25, that I feel like kind of sort of sets the tone for this album. Um, Some I love, mm-hmm. which was like, yeah, kind of rhythmic and dancey. And yeah, more interested in being a, a kind of modern pop song. So there's mm-hmm. a couple of those tracks in the middle of this new album. And I wonder if they're like, hey, record label, look, I'm trying to make a hit still. And and then that gives her the license to record like five songs that are longer than six minutes that just exist only so that you can cry to them in the shower. (laughs) Yeah.
0: These are long songs. Like, you don't see songs that are longer than six minutes these days, right? And you also don't have songs that... Well, I, I am really curious about what you thought of the voice notes sprinkled through mm-hmm. a lot of the songs on this album. I think when I first heard My Little Love and and Adele incorporates these voice notes that she recorded, I believe partly as a, as a therapeutic exercise to explain why she's feeling what she's feeling, but also she recorded her conversations with her son, Angelo. And these are such intimate voice notes that are sprinkled through this song that's addressed to her son and I wonder what you think about it because Adele is this artist who can capture every single emotion in a single breath right that it's almost like incorporating your voice notes to express even more of your emotion it's it's it's
1: yeah it's like smacking
0: you in the face
1: (laughs) it's a little tell not show right like it's Mm -hmm. a little you know and this is something that like artists often do is put little Whatever skits or, or monologues in their albums. Um, mm-hmm. But Adele, you know, tells her story with the emotion in her voice and, and the, the notes she sings. And so and the
0: texture, and the shape.
1: Yeah, that felt like an attempt to, like, yeah, to say this is a concept album. I'm really telling my story. But I, yeah, I, I don't love it. It, it. it reduces the replayability of mm-hmm. certainly that song, um, My Little Love. She also puts a voice note at the end of I Drink Wine which is otherwise, I think, like, the most perfect song on this album. and uh, <laughs> It's so it kind fun. Of, yeah. Yeah, I drink <laughs> wine. It, I mean, if, if that song is not being sung, like, in every late-night piano bar around the world within a couple of months, the record label has not done their job.
0: How can one become so bounded by choices that somebody else may?
1: Um, but but with the voice notes, Sophie, what do you make of them as the one parent on this podcast?
2: Well, I I, I do want to thank Adele for giving us the instant classic, which is uh, a sentence which is mommy has been having a lot of big feelings recently." <laughs> <laughs> which I just feel like if I could get that in gift form somehow, I could use it in every situation in my life. Um, I found them really devastating. It it felt like. Uh, almost being a voyeur into um because she does keep her son out of the spotlight um i think deliberately and sort of keeps her family life very private and um and so to to have access to this moment where she's trying to explain kind of the drastic upheaval of her child's family it it it, it felt a little uncomfortable to me but also really really sad um and i'm sure that's what she was going for, like you said, Shirley, it's like layering sad on sad, on sad, on sad. (laughs) Um, But it does add this kind of, I think it adds an emotional complexity to the context of the album. That like, this really is a woman grappling with her feelings of guilt and confusion and self-inflicted anxiety. I know she went went through some postpartum anxiety and um, just really kind of grappling with how she should feel about that. And it feels very raw for us as the listeners to kind of, to see it laid out as barely as that. I don't know yeah. that I love it, but I but I, I appreciate her honesty.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, right, it's like we didn't even know the timeline of when she got married, when she got divorced. All of that came out after the fact, right? And so it does put the spotlight on her music. Like, I, I think my favorite track from 30 is To Be Loved, but that's also a track that she has said that she will not perform live. That even when she listens to it, she wants to cry or does cry, so she can't even listen to it again. It's such so a doozy! Are, it is. It is such a doozy. It's when she when she wails like "Let it be known that I tried." I'm yeah. not going to try an impression of Adele here, but <laughs> <laughs> no, please do. That's that's like one of those like you pull over while you're driving songs.
1: Yeah, that's Dang. a song about her. Like yeah, like talking about how she walked out on this relationship, right? And was like, mm-hmm. uh, ooh, did I do the right thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like a weird emotion, like a weird kind of like paradox to hear someone work out on a song.
2: Yeah, there's that line like, I'll be the one to catch myself this time, which feels like a, just like a, a good motif for the album, I think, that that mm-hmm. she's maybe been relying on other people for emotional strength that she needs to find within herself, as we all do. Ah. Uh. That's we my ten cents.
1: Do. <laughs> what if we you make other people do the emotional do. labor for you? Don't you? Then you're fine, right?
0: Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't I, know if that's I the, thought, the most healthy.
1: That's another podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, we all <laughs> we all we we all could use some, you know, self reliance. We all could use what Adele, you know, is is singing about, uh, and we should also zoom out. Because as we mentioned at the top of the episode, this album comes after a string of divorce or breakup albums this year. This might be a ridiculous theory, but I almost feel like in a single year in 2021, we we went from Olivia Rodrigo, which is about her very first heartbreak, to November, which is about divorce. Like we just we just <laughs> went through <laughs> wow. a lifetime of relationship drama. Is it COVID?
2: Like, is COVID Breaking everyone else up because they've all been, like, forced together into the... I mean, that's basically what happened with Casey Musgraves, right? Like, she's I kind of so. blamed the pandemic for giving her no distractions from her marriage and forcing her to kind of assess what was not working within it.
1: Well... Yeah, I mean, it's a time of... We were all put through the test of of the institutions in our life and...
2: How much can we stand
0: the person that we live
2: with?
1: Exactly. <laughs> like
0: really, really a lot of
1: them. A lot, a lot
2: of them. Yeah.
0: I'm glad you brought up Casey, Sophie, because I do think that one of the tracks on her divorce album, Starcrossed, I think it's called Good Wife. Yeah, she wrote that, that at the that very song. beginning of that marriage. And when you listen to that song, you're like, oh, this is someone with a lot of doubt about marriage, committing to marriage. This cannot bode well. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: and also having a, kind of a strange idea of what marriage is like mm. that the really the template of the 50s housewife who stands by her man um, which obviously yeah. you know is a country staple too
0: wake up nice and slow bring coffee in
2: bed listen to his problems down that I, understand. I find that i love this album but i do Casey to me has this I know Shade was one of her inspirations, but she also has this like similarity to Shade where she doesn't have a lot of emotion in her voice. She doesn't emote much, you know? So mm. it's this mm-hmm. fascinating album that expresses all these emotions, but in a very kind of almost flat, dry, slightly numb way. Did yeah. you guys get that? That's such
1: a that's me? such a good way to put <laughs> it. That's a, I mean that's a I've great always point. I've I've always been like a B. Like I like if I was degrade Casey Musgraves on my report card of how much I enjoy her. I'm sure there's a better way to say that. But Like, she's (laughs) kind of, like, always been a chill, easy listen that I don't have, like, a very passionate response to. And that's maybe kind of why she's been popular in this era. You can kind of just put her on your Spotify playlist, and it fits in, usually. And she's kind of clever and modern, but without, like, ruffling too many feathers. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's really interesting to hear her now talk about this disruption in her life and try to, like— articulate a really specific story. And I thought that was very cool about the way that the album is, yeah, numb. It's like, she's just kind of like stepping outside of her own life and analyzing it. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: She's become a very vibesy artist. This is where I'll push back a little bit because she's, I feel like her lyricism earlier on in her career was a lot more clever, a lot more country. So it was, it involved a lot more storytelling. And I do think that her voice could capture a lot of emotion, but... Her trajectory has moved into more vibesy territory, mm. and when I say her voice could capture a lot of emotion, it was kind of the combination of like cheeky lyrics plus this like bemusement that was always there, especially in songs like like High Time, right, where she's just like singing about weed. And mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> there's weed on this album too, where she's a really joint, right? Too. She's
0: making us goal. Yeah, a bowl. yeah. yeah. That's marriage. Yeah, but I do think. I mean. Here's my take on Casey with this album. I think she sold it a little too heavily as a big divorce Romeo and Juliet inspired mm. album. It's mm. titled Star Crossed. It comes with a whole, you know, uh, d- 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 what what are they called now? Album, visual, visual album, album yeah. movie things
1: <laughs> I didn't make on Paramount it
0: far that. Plus. Yeah, yeah, and. So I went in with these high expectations for big emotions, you know what I mean. But it instead, because it was a vibesy album, that initial disappointment comes from. It's kind of like going into a Christopher Nolan movie and then getting a rom com, being like, wait, 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 what? That's not. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be this, <laughs> um, but also I don't have anything against rom coms, and I don't have anything against vibesy <laughs> albums. So the more I've listened to Starcross, the more I'm like, okay. If I can just set aside the way it was marketed and the way she sold it, I I can enjoy this. And I actually, like camera roll, Mm. speaking of songs that make you pull over on the side of the road and just cry a little bit, like that, out of nowhere, (laughs) is also a really emotional song. But you don't really catch it until until you settle into the vibes. Yeah. I wanted to make a a plea for a hookup scene too, which
2: is sort of, a, it's sort of the anti-everything Adele writes about on 30. I think uh. one of the lyrics is like, if you've got someone to love and you've almost given up, hold on tight despite the way they make you mad because you might not even know that you don't have it so bad. I.e., <laughs> if you think your relationship sucks, it might be fine. You might yeah. just be, you know, being too picky or... Yeah. Getting annoyed for no reason, which we, <laughs> it's not a great message for a song to put out, but but it's true. I mean, it, it's an mm. emotional truth that she's obviously feeling in that moment. I did. I love the sound of that song too, but I did. I find yeah. that really interesting.
0: Despite the way they make you mad, cause you might not even know that you don't have it so bad.
1: Right. It's interesting that she kind of, yeah, she's moving through a moment in that song. But if you were just to just take that song in isolation, it seems like an anti-divorce album song. Like yeah. she's regretting mm-hmm. what she's done.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and so it's interesting mm-hmm. she lets you kind of like live in that moment of regret without uh, regretting the regret in the song. And then the rest of the album is like, no, I did the right thing.
2: I think yeah. one of the one of the issues that kind of goes along with what you were saying, Shell, is that... The album's divided into three acts, almost like five songs, five songs, Mm -hmm. five songs. And the first act is supposed to be about, you know, the issues and then the middle act is kind of despair breakup and then the final act is like catharsis and coming to terms with things but but it's hard to see it that way when the general tone is so kind of like I'm getting divorced but everything's okay do you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. It it, it's, yeah. it makes it a little harder to feel the drama of that yeah. structure.
0: Yeah like it is inherently sad that, that here's an artist who's trying to convince herself that she's absolutely fine Yeah, but you can't quite get that from the music when everything's Almost, this is mean. Almost jingly, like uh, a song like "Easier Said," where the message is just, "Boy, love is easier said than done." Like it's, (laughs) it's a a very simple message and a very simple tune. Fridge magnet, notice though. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and I think in the scope of there being so many breakup albums this year, you know, the the ones that don't go into big big emotions are also valuable on their own sometimes you do have these just general (laughs) emotions well i mean that that you can't quite yeah right well we have
2: adele for crying in the shower and we have casey (laughs) for playing in the backyard barbecue where we bitch about our exes (laughs) Uh Uh so with that in mind like what is the context with which we listen to red taylor's version (laughs) is it while
0: scrapbooking maybe Oh, that's a good one. I feel like that fits quite nicely. It's when you're knitting a scarf. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well, how think, did you yeah. use... Well, So Red Taylor's version, right? This is the... Um, Taylor Swift is re-recording all of her albums to get back at a business rival. And this is... She redid her 2012 album, Red, and added a 10-minute version of the most devastating song on it. And everyone got in their breakup feelings for a few days in <laughs> October Yeah, I mean, how how did you listen to Red all those years? (laughs) And is it different now?
0: Oh, goodness. I mean, here's the thing. Red, that album, I remember being surprising. Like, I didn't even get into the feelings that she's processing in the album itself because... Once again, we have to bring up Max Martin and Shellback. This is the first album where she really started veering into pop territory, right? Like pure pop territory. And you have a song like I Knew You Were Trouble, incorporating dubstep. And so when I listened I, in 2012, when I listened to it, I was more like, what's, what's happening? Her hair is straight. She's <laughs> <laughs> moving away from country. <laughs> These are pop songs. What are we going to get next? This year, the context is more, it's nostalgia, Her entire project really depends on that nostalgia for where you were at those times. I mean, before we go too deep into it, Spencer, could you explain what project this is?
1: The re-recording? Yes. Yeah. So I can't really explain it because there are many (laughs) twists and turns. But the basic gist is that Taylor Swift, like many artists, does not Mm -hmm. own the master recordings of her songs. They were owned by the label that signed her when she was a teenager. And this is a label that she had a very close and public partnership with. It was kind of seen as uh, this label, Big Machine Music, and and her kind of rose together. Uh, at some point, the manager of that label uh, started fielding offers to sell the master recordings of Taylor's songs. And the person who ended up buying them was... Uh, Scooter Braun, who is a very powerful agent and manager in the music world, uh, who has managed some of Taylor Swift's least favorite pop stars, (laughs) including people like Kanye West and Justin Bieber, both of whom she's had kind of tense public relationships with Mm -hmm. in the past. Um, And Taylor alleges that she didn't really get the heads up about the sale, and she really took it as a betrayal. And so... One of the ways that she is dealing with the situation is by going back and re-recording her first, I believe, six albums without really Mm -hmm. changing a note of the music and just providing kind of like slightly more modern sounding, updated versions of these albums that have the subtitle Taylor's version so that fans can stream those and give their money more of their money to her than they were giving already and none of the money to the people she doesn't like. There's this, there's an asterisk to this, which is that Scooter Braun then sold the the rights to her catalog to another buyer who I don't think anyone really has any feelings about, but she's still... <laughs> so, so, right? so, like, maybe that conflict yeah. could have been... You know, the conflict is, is only so interesting, but it's kind of... Ta- the project has taken on its own life where yes. now every six months, Taylor Swift fans worldwide get to do another lap around the memory circuit and revisit their favorite <laughs> albums. And she, and Taylor gets to make another play for making those albums uh, a hit again. And, and with this, with Red, she's really done an extraordinary thing of placing a 10-minute long song at number one on the Hot 100 and performing on SNL and making everyone cry to this 10-minute song. It's like something yeah. that's literally never been done before on the level she's done it. What do you guys think of that song?
0: Oh, I've listen to it a lot. We were talking about Spotify raps before hopping on here, and I don't know how it skyrocketed (laughs) into like my top five. That's a lot of listens for a 10-minute song. You can only listen to it like six times in an hour. I know. Um, like days of your life. You surely can do math. Um, (laughs) I think uh, here's here's what's so fascinating about Taylor, which I think I I was trying to figure out a way to say before, is that like you said, Spencer, these songs don't sounds significantly different at all. She has more mature vocals. Some songs that are not like fan favorite songs, she'll like fiddle with the production a lot. There's a song called Girl at Home that now sounds like a dance track. Um, But mostly what's interesting about what she's doing is the packaging around these songs. The way that you now market these songs in 2021 versus in 2012. Like she has moved over to TikTok, right? Like when a track from 1989 started trending and going viral on TikTok and people were making little videos off of it. She released Taylor's version of that song. There's a song from her album Speak Now that is now also going viral on TikTok. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's Enchanted. It's just like the shift in the way that she has to sell this album versus her last re-record versus the way she sold these albums when they were first released is fascinating to me. I mean, this is where I, I'll bring in Olivia Rodrigo. You see how she kind of came out of nowhere in January with Driver's License, a ballad about a breakup that you don't really see being number 1 on Billboard for what was it, like 8 weeks straight. For one thing, everyone was in their big emotions phase <laughs> was deep COVID, but for another people were really it really sparked something viral in Gen Z on TikTok and I don't know. I think like it's just anything that's got this dizzying array of emotions to it can capture people's imaginations now. And that's like, and it's serving Taylor's marketing too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm particularly confused about the era that we live in and whether it's an earnest era or an ironic era or an era that is completely beyond those paradigms. But yeah, like Olivia Rodrigo (laughs) is this um, Disney Channel Star, who most adults had not heard of until January of this year, when her song, yeah, started smashing chart records and uh, amazing everyone because it's really slow and sad, and (laughs) she sounds on the
0: verge of tears. It's about getting your driver's license, (laughs) yeah,
1: and it's like, well, I guess we were ready to feel some things, Um, Mm -hmm. but but you know, Olivia Rodrigo is a huge student of Taylor Swift and part of. at least part of what the success of her career owes to so far is her incredible ability to blend music and art with, Mm -hmm. like, sheer power of gossip. Um, Yes. This was a breakup single, very allegedly about another Disney Channel star, and there was another young star involved in a love triangle, and I guess everyone on the internet knew about this before me, (laughs) <laughs> and I was reading all these explainers <laughs> when the song blew up, um, and the that that kind of gave it a little bit, I think, of of the activation energy uh, that that you need to have a hit. And of course, Taylor Swift um, right now with this reissue of Red, we're all talking about a relationship that ended at least a decade ago with a movie star, and Ooh, uh, we'll she's still <laughs> dissing him, and uh, people are are <laughs> still spamming his uh, social media posts uh, yeah. with. With hatred
2: because of it. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I find so interesting though, because um like Taylor Swift had such a remarkable twenty twenty. I mean she dropped those two albums, Evermore, which I think is one of my favorite Swift albums of all time and folklore, which, you know, well, we don't want to talk about mm-hmm. it. But
1: um, what, you mean, do you like Evermore than Folklore?
2: <laughs> yeah, am I wrong? Am I
0: wrong? Ooh, you're so not you're so not wrong. No no no. I, no, well, is, I, I will defend will, both. So <laughs> we fight Evermore over is more experimental. Because Exile is my yeah. favorite
2: song on folklore and spencer hates it so we we do oh uh, okay
0: is. i'm with spencer on that one i'm so, oh my
2: so, god so <laughs> um
0: well no, no, no but i wanted to make my point before
2: we physically yeah, oh, yes. my point about taylor is that she's you know she's what 32 now which is a respectable age for a human person and and i know that she's expressed frustration in the past that she is reduced off into this figure of drama in her personal life and mm-hmm. and yet here she is like we've said after after Really, making these two albums of, of really pretty incredible artistry, and that were very Spencer. You praised their lyrics for how how sort of yeah. She kind of stepped and, out
1: of the personal narratives and started kind of going yeah. into more experimental fiction. It felt like,
2: and now mm-hmm. here we are suddenly, and the only thing we're talking about is this breakup of this relationship <laughs> that lasted for three months when she was twenty, and uh, it, it's just getting kind of it's it's back to like slightly histrionic breakup vibes. 20 uh, year old Taylor and I I'm, I know that there's a choice in that and I'm sure that there is something savvy in, in courting the TikTok my life has ended because my boyfriend of three months broke me <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do think I do think that she's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place though yeah. right like because part of this is a business decision that she's you know molded into a, a moral argument this, this project of re-recording her old albums but then part of it too is she's trying to uh like like she's doing a lot of this including vault tracks in these re-records doing a 10 minute version of a fan favorite song all of this is for the fans and I yeah. believe she's been trying in interviews to express that to her all too well is no longer a song about that breakup it's a song celebrating how far you know we've come together this is but a fan favorite but awful. it's just but it's just <laughs> well <on>. yeah exactly <laughs> so then 15 minutes
2: long and then there's like new lines added about how his new girlfriend is you know, the same age that
0: she was then when she was too young and like clearly there's a lot of yeah that's what I mean the lyrics can't be about whatever she says it's about now it's still going to be about that breakup and when you release a short film associated with it where you clearly cast someone to resemble the person Mm. in question like you are inviting these inviting that narrative. You can't ever put it off completely. And that makes me worry about the next couple of albums because I think we're just going to go back into the territory of unearthing the same feuds and the same gossip. And she can give as many interviews as she wants but it is like a tough place to be. It's either you have to come right out and say that you're not going to do any more re-recordings and you're not going to dredge up any of this gossip or you just continue along and just hope that things die down week
1: to week. Taylor Swift is the ultimate breakup artist. And Mm. if you're going to revisit your catalog, um, you're going to have to reckon with the breakups in it. But part of what, like, I I really love the re-recording of Red, and I really love the 10-minute All Too Well. Um, What I love about them is that they really, like, emphasize how all along this music was about reassessing something in your past. And, you know, what is a breakup piece of art about if not trying to impose a narrative on something that was kind of messy and was your life and put a Mm -hmm. bow on it. Um, The songs are like about nostalgia. They're about like feeling like you were in that car with your hot boyfriend and, uh, (laughs) you know, running the red light or whatever, you know, remembering particular fights and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out who was right. And, um, you know, there's something universal in that we all kind of go through that process. And the song is like, to me, like, the sound of it, the kind of, like, dreamy nature of it, the way that it kind of, like, gathers intensity and, like, becomes more it's and an more anthem, of its own, yeah. like, epic. There's, like, there's something, like, really cool and, and, and artistic about it. But, uh, you know, she's such a savvy celebrity, too, though. This, so th- she's yeah. going to put the little bacon bits of gossip in there. And, uh, and they'll also be, like, really delicious lines.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that one line about um, that, I just feel like she probably inserted much closer to 2021 than 2012 about your lovers will mm. stay the same age, but I'm going to get older. That feels like a pretty, you know, sharp jab. Um, <laughs> it's like an inception
2: of score settling mm-hmm. because there's this like pe- mm-hmm. personal score settling happening on an album that is all about much larger, like financial structural score settling mm-hmm. with the companies that restrain it. Like, I love it. It's her flexing her power in every yeah. dimension that she can.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, if you criticize that dimension of her, you're kind of in tough territory. But what you could say is that her appeal is a little bit that she is this revenge artist, totally. She's like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mooma Thurman and Kill Bill or whatever she is. (laughs) Like, we all love justice being served, and Mm -hmm. usually she creates that feeling. Yeah, and you're right, it's kind of like this turducken of revenge.
0: Not to sound too girl bossy, but it's just kind of. (laughs) I, I like that she validates, you know, taking these uh, you know, being being a score settler. <laughs> back before you lost, the one real thing you've ever known it was rare. I was there, I remember it all too well. I mean, that's the great thing about breakup albums, right? Just to go back to what we're talking about in general on this episode, it's like I I'm personally, I'm so glad they exist because they validate the big emotions that you have. Um, I I keep saying big feelings over and over. I can't think of other words right now. But it's also specifically in this year, in the past two years, really, when it feels like the rest of the world is spinning kind of out of control and there are so many other things that, that you know are impactful and tragic and horrible that, you know... A breakup can feel like something you shouldn't really bring up or think about or get so in your feelings about. I'm glad that there's this music that kind of validates (laughs) how sad you are about personal things versus the bigger picture.
1: I mean, it's also music about being alone, right? And that's something Mm -hmm. that we've all had to um, think about a lot. And these are all works that are like, yeah, maybe it was nice to be with someone else. But you know what? There's something really righteous about like making on your own.
2: Like Adele says. She's not used to being lonely. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that protection. I love that. I mean, just going back to Adele, there's also that lyric from "Hold On." Um, Sometimes loneliness is the only rest we get.
1: Oh, that's so good.
0: Oh, apart from Dow. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Ow, to make a darker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's um, for the
1: album Seventy Two. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Diving into this past year of like breakup and divorce albums even more, I feel like we're missing a couple of artists here, right? Billie Eilish also released an album called Happier Than Ever, which I think is also about loneliness. And perhaps what worked about it isn't just the fact that, you know, we we again are in big emotions this year, but also because she's such a specific celebrity who like really speaks to um, Spencer, I might be quoting you. She speaks to this like jaded version of America's Sweetheart now.
1: You know, we, we we don't do the ingenue quite in the way that we once did, and that's a good thing, you mm-hmm. know, treating women like they're— young women like they are kind of these naive people who are being sort of ruined by the world. Uh, Billy, from the start, mm-hmm. has been like, no, I am going to show you my damage, and I know how the world works, and I'm in control of my own life, and fuck you, dude, for, uh, <laughs> for not, <laughs> not returning my calls for a few hours. You know, like, that's the mm-hmm. vibe of her. And so, happier than ever— you know, it's a very long and sort of slow album, but the, there are some like incredible songs on there, and they're usually like really savage diss songs to um, whoever she was dating a, a year or two mm-hmm. ago.
0: Mm-hmm. It's those are songs that you want to like scream in a car, not to keep going back to this car in which I listen exclusively to music.
1: <laughs> it's the best
0: place to listen <laughs> music. I mean, you sure. live in Los Angeles. I imagine you're in your car a lot. I I, I am in my car a lot. <laughs>
1: You know, we haven't talked about R&B, but oh, yeah. that is a world that is kind of like uh, really specifically charting the micro-movements of relationships all the time. And mm-hmm. uh, Summer Walker just released this album that is kind of like a really um, savage and funny take on the kind of Taylor Swift idea of dissing your celebrity ex. She was dating the hip-hop producer London on the track, and um, she names him on the first song, and there's a there's a monologue from Cardi B saying, you know what, like maybe all this gossip about you two is true. Maybe it's not. Whatever you do, you
0: -hmm. should put it in your
1: music and make millions from it. And that's exactly what she did. And that's exactly what Taylor does. And it's exactly what Olivia Rodrigo did. And so it's like that phenomenon becoming self-aware.
0: Are we hitting the peak or are we still just, I think we're still crescendoing among all all these artists kind of taking advantage of, you know, just naming their exes. Like there is a through line, right, from Taylor to... Ariana Grande's Thank You, Next, to Olivia Rodrigo kind of really, you know, delving into the gossip of Disney Channel, (laughs) Um, to Summer Walker now explicitly naming her ex. To me, I feel like it's crescendoing. We haven't hit a peak, have we? Is Kanye going to make an album about Pete Davidson,
2: do we think?
1: Oh, my God. (whistles)
2: What an album that would be.
1: (laughs) Probably. and and The worst idea that you speak in the world that Kanye West could do, he's going to do. So... <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so now it's me.
2: But he you know, he's an interesting one to music. bring up
1: too. He's going through a high, like one mm-hmm. of the highest-profiled divorces ever from Kim Kardashian, and his last mm-hmm. album sort of touched on it. But I bet we're going to hear more bad stuff from him about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're only. I think we're only crescendoing in our in our breakup album. deluge
1: Well, I mean, are we are we getting more or less? Are we becoming a, a caddier society or not? Are we, are we getting too mature for celebrity gossip? I think no. the answer is no. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to keep going.
0: Spencer, haven't you heard we're in a culture of outrage?
1: <laughs> exactly. And you're right. And some of these, yeah, like, use that kind of outrage machine, too, in these personal narratives.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's, I don't know, it's kind of inextricable now. You need to have your personal narrative linked to your music. But then this brings us all the way back to Adele, someone who's, Extremely private and she only inserts that personal narrative into her music. You have to view that personal narrative through her art.
1: That's right. Yeah, you can't read too much about them.
0: <laughs> Shall we wrap up with a game?
1: The game of love.
0: The game. The game
2: of love. love. Wow. <laughs> I had an idea for the game. Oh, okay. Which is that we could all talk about songs that we listen to when people break our hearts. Oh, is it too
1: little Too a
2: little <laughs> Too, too <close>.
1: autobiographical. <laughs> okay. I was just gonna I'm say just mine to was
2: Justin Timberlake's "Never Again." I, it was. I would also far have enough. to think about
0: it, but it was I also... long enough ago. I can
2: talk <laughs> about it now without crying. But I listened to that song ten thousand times on repeat.
0: Oh man, mm-hmm. that's okay. <laughs> I mean, the thing is. I think I might be the only one among us who did go through a breakup this year. So I was going to say I listened to Driver's License like over and over.
1: (laughs) I'm just going to talk about Fiona Apple. Um, (laughs) 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 Obviously. No, uh, yeah, I mean, one of, you know, she has so many uh, devastating songs. Um, Mm -hmm. One of my favorite songs is somewhat of a breakup song. It's called Left Alone. It's from her album, The Idler Wheel. Mm -hmm. And it's not that sad. It's kind of angry, but she's angry at herself. Sort of like how Adele is on this new album, where she's basically like, I just constantly tell people to leave me alone. And so it's my own fault that I am alone. But it's just this kind of like weird, jazzy, intense song that she kind of like screams towards the end of of it. And Mm -hmm. she does diss her exes in it too. Um, the first line is You made your major overtures when you uh, were a sure and orotund mutt. Um, so you get to learn some vocab. You get to um, <laughs> cry and scream and feel bad about yourself and feel bad about everybody. And uh, that's, yeah, that's my pick.
2: I feel like I understand you better now. <laughs> I just. I want to give props to Joni Mitchell for writing a breakup song that's also a Christmas song in River. Yes. Because there aren't many of those. Maybe like Dolly Parton's Hard Candy Christmas is another one. Another one I like to listen to this time of year. But yeah, River, fantastic breakup
1: song. Absolutely.
0: When I was thinking about this question, I was kind of like, it is interesting because when you choose a breakup song, it's not just about the subject being about a breakup but kind of where you want to cast yourself right like do you want to be the scorned lover do you want to be the one who's actually feeling kind of guilty do you do you you know do you want vibes only <laughs> turn to casey um i i i was thinking that a song that i kind of go back to a lot because it is uh is no doubts don't speak mm. which i don't Ooh. know does that count as like a pure breakup song or is it more like I don't want to get into these feelings. Let's let's put this subject aside, but it still kind of operates as No, it's feelings and vibes. It's both. Hell yeah. We got it <laughs> in the middle. And it's a
1: celebrity breakup, right?
0: It is a celebrity. I mean, it was in the band. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we already shouted her out, but I do want to shout out Olivia Rodrigo for a driver's license. I think that is just... Um, that song came out of nowhere and it came at the right time for me. And <laughs> I think it's it's like... If she sweeps the Grammys next year, I don't mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She is. Um, I, there's something just so like just the way that she just explains herself, and you're like, yeah, that is how it is. You're totally right, Olivia.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember when you reviewed her album Sour when it came out like really quickly, a few months after Driver's License. You made a point that it was not a an album of what metaphors. It was just. No, a, she doesn't like a metaphor no it was just an album saying exactly what, what's on her mind literally you d- boy
1: <laughs> suck
0: <laughs> <laughs> is that a sentence? anyway yeah. <laughs> on that note I believe that does it for the show <laughs> <laughs> the review is produced by Kevin Townsend with help from AC Valdez our art is by Charlie Le Mignon I'm Shirley Lee Thank you Sophie. Thank you Shelves. Thank you Spencer.
1: Thank you. Next. <laughs> <laughs>